Hey, we got a team leaving to Mexico in a couple weeks. Can you, we give them a big just round of applause? So excited. This is a life group of 32 people, including the children, which is awesome. This is an army. You guys are going to finish that house in about 37 minutes. I can just tell. Uh, so we're going to be praying. You guys are leaving and uh, just beginning of October, uh, building a home for a family. And uh, there's so much that can go wrong on the mission field. And we're just going to be praying for safety. We're going to be praying that God keeps you unified. We're going to be praying that the family, that this uh, this group of people is going to build a house for that they come to know Jesus. They see Jesus in you guys. They hear about the gospel and they just want to be a part of the Christian community because of that. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of our entire church. Thanks for going and representing us. More importantly, thank you for going and representing Jesus Christ. So, hey, we're going to extend a hand right now and we're going to pray a prayer of blessing upon this team and we're going to give them a huge applause after the prayer. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this team and their willingness to go. God, would you lead them and guide them and protect them, keep them unified in ways that only you can. Heavenly Father, God, we pray that um, there would be full-time missionaries that come out of this team, that this would be a trip that so radically impacts their hearts and lives they would be forever changed. God, we pray for the family that is in desperate need of a home. We pray that that family would come to know Jesus through this team. God, lead them, guide them, guard them, protect them in ways that only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, one more big round of applause for this team. You guys are awesome. There's so many of them. By the time I get done with my message, they're still going to be on the stage, which is just great. So thanks again, you guys, for doing kingdom ministry. Hey, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and meet me in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If you do not have a Bible, raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one to you, page 871. Uh, this is our gift to you if you need a Bible. We are in a series titled Impact. It's our second time going through this series titled Impact. It's our word for the year, our verse for the year is Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do abundantly beyond what we could ask or think according to his power at work within us. God does more than we can dream of. And so that's what we're continuing to talk about. We looked at the first weekend, the lasting impact, our mission statement, reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. We looked at the impact of godly leadership, the impact of selflessness, the impact of just this renewed mind. Last week, Pastor Scott did a great job on the impact of community. Today, we're looking at the impact of greed. Next weekend, if you know of somebody that struggles with doubt, bring them. Most of us do. Pastor Chad's going to be talking about the impact of doubt. It's going to be a super encouraging message. Luke chapter 12, there's thousands of people around Jesus and he's doing what he does best. He's loving people through teaching them. Would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist 
in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Heavenly Father, God, would you, would you soften our hearts right now? God, would you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand the message you have in store for us today. God, I humbly ask that you would take over my mouth, my mind, and my heart, and you would declare the message that you want to communicate. Heavenly Father, have your way in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Several weeks ago, I had the wonderful privilege of going to the doctor. Uh, I had something wrong with my foot, need to go get it checked out. And so I went into the doctor's office, sat in there, the nurse came in, and she said, sir, can you tell me why you're here today? And I said, I think I have a finger growing out of my back. I'm just always just trying to mess with people, right? And so she gives me this weird look, and, and I said, I'm just kidding, it's not a finger, it's a thumb. And uh, she knew I was joking, laughed, all that kind of stuff, told her about my foot, and left, and the, the doctor came in a couple minutes later, and uh, without introducing herself or, or saying anything, she said, well... Looks like we need to lose some weight. First thing that came out of her mouth, I'm like, wow, this is encouraging already, right? And uh, I said, uh, okay, uh, sounds good. Thinking in my mind, you know, I'm trying to get my, you know, winter coat going on, a couple extra layers, no jackets this, you know, winter. And I said, I'm, I'm just curious, how much weight do I need to lose? And she went over and looked at my um, chart and my, on the computer, and she said, well, uh, you're five foot five. So you need to, and I, at that point I wanted to stand up, right, because I'm a foot taller than that. And she's like, you know, and, and uh, she told me I needed to lose, you know, quite a bit of weight, and I, I corrected her, and we had a conversation, but immediately I thought of something. We can be so quick to make recommendations. We can be so quick to evaluate people um, when really we don't even analyze our own life. And that's what we're talking about today. It is so easy. As we talk about greed today, don't miss this. To pick up on the greed in other people's lives, to evaluate the areas of greed where other people struggle, to spot it in other people's lives, and at the same time be blinded by our own reality of greed that we personally struggle with. This is what greed is. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something with no lasting satisfaction. It's an intense and selfish desire for something with no lasting satisfaction. It's a mental problem. It's a mindset that says, I, I need more. 
If only I had this. If only I had that. Children struggle with it. They've got closets full of toys, closets full of clothes, and they say, I need more toys. I need more clothes. And mom, dad, I don't care if it costs you more money. I have to have more. It's a mental problem. It's also a social problem. Greed greed is everywhere. We have had so many issues in our country, our world, because of greed. Wars have been fought because of greed. Businesses have been destroyed because of greed. People have been murdered because of greed. We have no idea how we could even measure the negative impact of greed based upon our culture. It's a mental problem. It's a social problem. It's also an individual problem. Greed has destroyed families. It's destroyed marriages. It's destroyed children. It's destroyed so many people. And the the reality is, is greed is contagious. And if that stuff's not a big enough issue. Greed is a spiritual problem. In Colossians chapter three, verse five, says that covetousness or greed is idolatry. It's the worship of someone or something else besides the worship of God. 81 different times we see in the scripture this mention of greed from Exodus all the way to the book of Revelation. And here's why greed and battling greed is so difficult. We live in a culture that encourages it. If only you had a bigger television. If only you had that pair of pants. If only you had nicer makeup. If only you had softer skin. If only you had a better house, a better car, fill in the blank, you would be happier. And so we live in a culture that's constantly encouraging us to be greedy. Because greed is everywhere. It's in our schools. It's in our businesses, it's in our neighborhoods, it's even in our churches. Greed's in everyone. Greed is not just a desire to have just more stuff. Greed craves everything. It craves position, recognition, power, control, fame, pride, material possessions. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter if you're a granddaughter or or a, a grandpa. It doesn't matter if if you're rich, poor, it doesn't matter. We all struggle with greed in some way, shape, or form. And so today the question that we're going to ask is how do I move from being greedy to generous? How How do I live a life and grow and move from a person that's all about myself and selfish to a person that's all about God and all about Others And as we unfold this text, we're going to see three different ways where we can just grow in our generosity. First point in your notes is simply this. Listen to Jesus' warning about greed. Listen to Jesus' warning about greed. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to ignore this warning like we do others. Go ahead and look at these pictures. A wet floor sign. A lot of us, we just ignore the warning of a wet floor sign. We, we slip and fall. Here's another one. Speed limit. Ooh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Somebody just got a ticket recently, right? Uh, we, we struggle with, with just ignoring these warning signs. Here's one of my favorite ones. Q-tips. Do not insert swab into the ear canal. Okay, just keep it real just for a second. How many of you, like me, just this morning swabbed your ears? yes. Good, okay, our next talk is gonna be on hygiene because not enough of you raised your hands, all right? Um, But we need to to pay attention to, to these warnings that Jesus gives us. And here's what Jesus does. He's so masterful. Somebody comes up to him and says, hey, hey, Jesus, 
or work with me and my family member and be the arbitrator and, and tell us how we're going to split our inheritance. And Jesus sees this opportunity for a teaching moment. Why? Because he, he sees right into their hearts. He sees right into this man's heart. He knows the motivation for why Jesus is be, he's being approached in this moment. This, this man is, is greedy. He wants more money. The NIV says to guard yourself against all kinds of greed. The New American Standard says every form of greed. Jesus, in his warning, shares two things. Number one, he says guard yourself against greed. Guard yourself. See it coming, but also guard yourself against greed. Why? Greed leaves no room for God. I want to say that one more time. Greed leaves no room for God. Why? Because greed is all about us. You cannot be full of greed and full of God at the same time. Greed destroys people. Greed destroys family. So many of us have experienced that ourselves. So many of us know people that have experienced that. That's why Jesus is giving us this warning. Guard yourself against greed. Proverbs 15, 27 puts it this way. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Proverbs also puts it this way. 28, 25, a greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Greed causes problems. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. <coughs> Excuse me, it causes problems because it also leads to many other sins. Greed will encourage us to lie, to steal. It encourages us to be jealous. It, it encourages us to, to worship other things other than God. And we see in the book of Acts, we see this man named Barnabas. He sold his land and he laid the money, all of it, at the apostles' feet. And Ananias and Sapphira saw the recognition that Barnabas got and say they, they go and do the same thing. They sell land, they lay money at the apostles' feet, but they hold some back for themselves. Why? They were greedy for the money, but they were also greedy for the recognition. Jesus said, guard yourself against greed. There was a recent survey done about what people would be willing to do for $2 million. And this is how the average American responded. 25% said they would be willing to abandon their family for $2 million. 23% said they would become prostitutes for a week. 16% would leave a spouse 3% would put their kids up for adoption. Now, for all of you stay-at-home moms that had a really rough week this last week, you're like, hey, I'll do that for free, right? Some of you are just thinking, I'm just keeping it real right now, right? But the point is, is that Jesus is saying, hey, we have to guard ourselves from greed because it causes so much damage. Greed is the sin that leads to, to other sins. Sure, we can have a mindset that says, no, I'd never do that. I'd never go there. And yet, if we don't guard ourselves from greed, we end up finding ourselves doing things we never imagined. We need to guard ourselves from greed. Second of all, we need to understand the deception of greed. Understand the deception of greed. Greed never satisfies. 
We're con- some of us are constantly looking for that next best thing. If only I had this, if only I had that, if I only had the iPhone 8, not the 9 because they didn't make it, but the 10, right? You know what, why the iPhone 10 is called the iPhone X? Because it's expensive. It's $1,000. It has no home button on it. You know why? You have to sell your home to buy the phone. It is extremely expensive. And that's just one example. If we're not careful, if only I had the iPhone, the TV, and we can get into a point where we constantly want more and we get it. We're like, yes, I got what I wanted. And then two weeks later, we want more. Why? Because greed never satisfies. Greed always deceives us. Greed always leaves us wanting more. And there's really a deeper issue of of just this emptiness that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy us. Only Jesus Christ will, will give us life. You know, greed deceives us and tells us if we just have more of this, then we'll be blank. If only I have more money, then I'll feel more secure about the future. When really the deeper issue is, is that we struggle with the uncertainty of life. If only I had more books, I could get more knowledge and more answers. When really the deeper issue is maybe we want to appear to be more uh, intelligent. If only I had more power and control, then I'll be safe and respected. But really the deeper issue is we just don't want people to hurt us. Greed never satisfies. Somebody asked John Rockefeller, billionaire, um, this question, how many millions does it take to satisfy a man? He said, just one more. Just one more million. Junior year in high school, I had a friend and he was a senior and he later in the year let me know that his mom had won the lottery years ago. I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me that? We would have hung out a whole lot more, right? And he told me, and he drove a clunker of a car and he's like, dude, she's, she's blowing all of her money. I said, why? He said, she wants to be the first person to win the lottery twice. And I thought, how sad is that? Greed is never satisfied. And yet Jesus, in the way that only he can, he can see right into our hearts. He can see right into our lives. He knows the struggle that we have. In Mark chapter 10, there was a rich young ruler that asked Jesus, what can I do to experience eternal life? And Jesus said, you know what the word of God says? And he listed a bunch of commands. And he says, all these I've done since I was a young boy. And Jesus said, yeah, one thing you lack. Saw the greed in his life. He said, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. What was Jesus trying to say? You cannot be greedy and godly at the same time. We have to be aware of the deception of greed because here's the reality. You won't possess things. Things will possess you. I wanna say that one more time. You won't possess things. Things will possess you. And Jesus here in this passage is not just teaching that life does not consist of possessions. He's saying that even if a person could collect a large amount of stuff and possessions, it would not produce life. Why? Because life is only found in Jesus. 
Only in Jesus can we experience lasting joy, lasting peace, lasting contentment. So Jesus gives this warning, and we have to listen to the warning that Jesus gives us about greed. Point number two in your notes, identify and confess areas of greed in your life. Identify and confess areas of greed in your life. This this man in this passage never had enough. Says, uh, my barn's full, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna tear it down and I'm gonna build a bigger one. And I notice the amount of times that he says, I, in this passage. He says, I will tear down my barns and this is what I will do and I will say to my soul, a greedy person is solely focused upon themselves. And so he's constantly saying, this is what I'm gonna do when we see inside his soul that then I'm gonna eat, then I'm gonna drink, then I'm gonna be merry and Jesus says, you fool. This day, your life is going to be gone. Then who's going to spend all of this stuff that you've spent your whole life acquiring? And so we need to identify and confess the areas of greed in our lives. And and this message has been, it's been a struggle for me personally this week. Because anytime I get up and teach, I have to to internalize it. I I have to preach it to myself. And God has just revealed Area after area after area of greed in my life. And so I've spent time this last week just just acknowledging areas of greed where some of them I've just been blinded to. And here's why we do this. Colossians 3, 5 puts it this way. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, uh, passion, evil desire, and covetousness or greed, which is idolatry. We're to to put that to death. So I've been just identifying those by by God's grace as he reveals that. It's not a fun process. But then confessing that back to God, and it is a freeing and humbling thing to do because the reality is we all struggle with greed. We all will. We will struggle with it for the rest of our life. When we stop struggling with it, then it's a problem. When we stop asking, God, would you reveal areas of my life where it's about me, where I want more, where the focus of my life is not just you. So I've been just praying this week, God, would you fill me with Jesus? Because when I'm filled with Jesus, it pushes everything else out. How do you know if greed is a issue for your life? I want to share with you four warning signs. One is you covet what others have. It's normal to look at what other people have and say that's nice, but if you cannot get it off your mind and you want and you want and you want and you don't stop until you get it, you probably struggle with greed. If there's this continual want for more, if you get something and you're satisfied for like a day and then you want something else and then you want something else, if there's this continual want for more, whatever it is, it could be more control, it could be more stuff, it could be more fill in the blank, but if there's this continual want for more, you probably struggle with greed. If this, there's this unwillingness to wait, if you have to have something now and it's causing you to go into credit card debt, you should probably struggle with greed. And then fourthly, if you close your eyes to compromise, which means you're willing to manipulate people, you're willing to lie, you're willing to be deceitful to get what you want, you struggle with greed. And so we need to, in ways that is only possible with the help of Jesus, to humble ourselves and confess and repent of the areas 
of greed in our life. Thirdly, how do we move forward? It's commit to being rich toward God. It's commit to being rich toward God. Jesus said, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What, what, did Jesus, what was Jesus rich in? Jesus was rich in forgiveness. He was rich in mercy. He was rich in compassion. He was rich towards people. He was rich towards his Father. See, at some point in our lives, as we follow Christ, there's a shift that has to take place. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of this shift every day that life is no longer about us. It's about God. And it's about others. Five habits that will help us be rich towards God. Number one, in your notes, develop an attitude of thankfulness. Develop an attitude of thankfulness. What do we see from this rich fool in the passage? He wasn't thankful. He didn't realize that everything he had was because of God. He didn't realize that his ability to work came from God. He didn't realize the soil that produced this crop came from God. We, didn't, we don't see anything about his willingness to give thanks to God in this passage. What do we need to do? We need to develop this attitude of gratitude, this attitude of thanksgiving. I think about those that lost everything. In Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, there's gonna be three different responses from those people. For some, it's not gonna change anything. Some of, some of those people are sold out to Jesus and like, Jesus, the one thing that we still have is the one thing that we need and that's a relationship with you and we can never lose that and we're just so thankful that you died on the cross in our place, giving us access to a holy God, forgiving us from our sins. For some people, it's, it's not that big of a deal because they're like, you know what, this is not my home, eternity is. For other people, they're devastated because the last 20, 30, 60 years, everything that they've been working towards is gone and they are absolutely devastated. There's a third group of people that have been working to acquire stuff, thinking that that would give them satisfaction when really they knew it had a grip on their life and they're thanking God because for the first time in years they're free. All of that stuff doesn't consume them anymore because they don't have it. But it's developing this attitude of thankfulness. Let's practice that right now. Turn to somebody next to you and just say, hey, I'm thankful for you. All right, just practice that. Come on. Good. Hey, if you're married, hopefully you turn to your spouse, all right? Come on. All right, if you're single, sitting next to somebody that's single, you may have just gotten a phone number after the service. But practicing this attitude of thanksgiving, and sadly enough, we don't do that enough. It could start by being at the dinner table and just sharing with your spouse or your family, hey, this is what I'm thankful for, just one thing. Sadly enough, we do that on Thanksgiving one day, but we don't only have Black Friday anymore. We have like Black Thursday. We don't even have an entire day where we give thanks to God. If we're going to go from being greedy to being rich towards God, we have to be people that are thankful. Second of all, in your notes, develop a mindset of contentment. What is contentment? It's the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. It's satisfied. It's, I'm good. 
I have enough. I don't need any more. If you have a roof over your head, this is a global statistic, and eat one meal a day, you are richer than 93% of the world's population. If you own a pair of shoes, you are 75% richer than the entire world. And yet the American household on average is $16,000 in debt. Why? We struggle being satisfied with what we have. Paul put it this way to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich follow into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Don't miss what, what Paul said, being rich is not wrong. It's this desire. It's this greedy desire. We need to develop a mindset of contentment. Thirdly, develop patterns of generosity. Develop patterns of generosity. First of all, to God. Why are we rich towards God? Because he's rich towards us. Why are we generous to God? Because he's generous to us. God models perfect generosity, why he gave up everything to us. He gave up his son. He is constantly giving us love and forgiveness and grace and compassion. He holds nothing back, but is constantly being generous. And so for us to be generous towards God, a simple, practical, tangible way to do that is to put God first in our finances. Say, God, you've blessed me with everything. Everything comes from you. You own everything. So I'm going to give to you my first and my best. A simple way to do that is a tithe. The Bible talks about a tithe that's 10%. It's because of your generosity, church, that we're able to have such an impact. It's because you supporting the, the mission and the ministry of Shelter Cove that lives are being changed, marriages are being restored. You're gonna see people getting baptized next week and all of that is possible because we've got the body of Christ that's committed to being generous. That's why we're gonna go to Dallas and, and help do cleanup work. That's why we're able to help out and do this impact weekend. That's why we're able to do so much stuff because of your generosity. Paul put it this way to the church in Corinth. Chapter 16, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there, I will be, so there will be no collecting when I come. It's this intentionality of putting God first. So we're, we're generous to God, and we can do that through not just our treasures, but also through our time, through our talents. But again, this is the way to battle the greed in our lives because you cannot be generous and greedy at the same time. So to be generous is to be like Jesus. So we're to be generous towards God. Second of all, we're to be generous towards others. Generous towards others. Paul tells us that we're to be generous and ready to share. That, that, that's the kind of followers of Christ that we're to be. 
just this, this last week, yesterday, one of our staff guys uh, brought me a coffee. And uh, it wasn't the coffee that meant so much to me. It was the fact that he was thinking of me. He said, hey, I know you've got, had a long week. You're getting up early, speaking at the men's breakfast. Can I bring you a cup of coffee? Absolutely. Several weeks ago, I met with a, a pastor friend that, that's a lead pastor of a mega church in Sacramento, um, asked if I could take him out to lunch and just steal one hour of his time. He's extremely busy. Went to lunch, sat there for two and a half hours. He bought me lunch. Why? Because he was, he was generous. The way to, to battle the greed in our life is to be generous. And, and, generous. and here's a, a tangible way to do this. Every, every week, find one way to be generous. Maybe it's buying somebody lunch. Maybe it's buying them coffee. Maybe it's giving your time. It's not just about finances. It's, it, maybe it's just time. When we moved into our house four years ago, we had a group of ladies that come, came in. She, they, they wiped our, our floors. They cleaned our bathrooms, our kitchen. It was so humbling that these ladies were so generous with their time. But to be, to be generous. See, this man in the story, this rich fool, not only did he fail to understand where his money came from, he failed to understand what to do with it. I mean, he could have gotten to a point in his life where he said, you know what, my barn's already full. There's no room for anything else. I'm gonna be generous towards God and I'm gonna be generous towards others. I'm gonna be looking how I can be a blessing and give instead of focusing on what I can get. It's a focus of generosity. Point four in your notes. Develop areas of trusting God. Develop areas of trusting God. Right after this parable of the rich fool, Jesus continues and says this, and he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap and they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus is saying these, these birds, they trust. They can't store up a bunch, and maybe one of the, the deeper issues for our greed, and we have to have all of this money, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't plan for the future. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a retirement. I'm not saying we shouldn't be strategic. But maybe the, the deeper issue for the greed and constantly needing more stuff is because we don't truly trust God's provision. And I was, I was right in the middle of this 13 years ago. The trust that God was gonna provide for me and for Kelly. I was getting ready to graduate from, from uh, seminary. Uh, Kelly was pregnant. She was about five months pregnant. Um, I still did not have a full-time job. And so I went up and, and interviewed at a church in Elk Grove and thought, man, this, this is in the bag. This is going to work out great. Didn't work out. And so month after month is going by, and I'm like, okay, God, like, I trust you, but sooner than later would be better. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? God likes to wait until the very last moment. And finally, it all worked out. Um, started working here. Uh, four days later, Kelly gave birth to Jake. It's like, okay, God, you know, you, you just like making sure we trust you. But it is hard to trust God in the midst of provision. It's also hard to trust God in the midst of our pain. God, what's your plan? God, I'm, I'm hurting. What's your purpose? When we had Jake and, 
realized that things were not well. Had a very severely um, challenged kid with special needs, uh, not walking, talking, eating through his mouth, didn't know if he was going to live. Uh, I just needed to trust God uh, in the midst of my pain, and that, that was hard. That was hard to know that, I, God, I don't know your plan. I don't know your purpose. I've been totally blindsided by this. But as the months went by and the years go by, I'm able to step back and say, okay, God, I finally see that you've got a plan and you've got a purpose in the midst of my pain, but we have to trust him. We have to trust God, develop areas of trusting God. And then fifthly, develop an eternal perspective. Jesus said in verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. It's eternal perspective. It's not just about this life here. This life is temporary. What matters? People, God, God's word. That should change the way that we live our life. Stuff shouldn't matter so much. Why? Because we can't take it with us. So we have to develop this eternal perspective. Here's the reality. Greed, if we're not careful, not only will it hurt us and ruin us, it is extremely contagious. But so is generosity. My wife had the privilege to hang out uh, this week with a, a mom who recently had a, a baby. And the second time she's been able to go over there and bring a coffee to this gal and just just encourage her and love on her and hang out with her. And she was telling me about the story and she's just kind of lit up and just, just love how my wife just loves people like that. But I believe the reason why she does that is because when she had Jake, there were ladies, specifically one that would come and hang out with Kelly. And they brought her coffee. That's impacted her for the rest of her life. Why? Because generosity is contagious. And my prayer moving forward is that we would be a generous church. But to do that, we have to humble ourselves and we have to deal with the own greed in our lives. In your, in your sermon notes, there's a box at the bottom. And here's what I wanna encourage you to do just right now. Identify and confess one area of greed in your life. Write down one, one, one thing, one area of greed. You've already thought about it most likely. Maybe it's stuff, maybe it's power, maybe it's control, whatever it is. But what's that one area of your life where you're just willing to admit, God, I, I struggle with this. To me, that's the, the beginning part of being free is owning the sin in my life and then confessing and asking for God's help. And then point three, there's five different areas to be intentional. Just circle one that you're gonna do this week. Are you gonna focus on being thankful? Are you gonna focus on being content? Is it trusting God? Is it being generous? Or is it having an eternal perspective? Because God, God has great things he wants to do through this church. It's only possible when we move from being greedy to being generous. Let's bow and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you for your grace in my own life. It's always humbling to 
preach a message and realize that it's a personal struggle. And so those areas of my own life that need to change, I just want your help. God, for my brothers and sisters here that are struggling with greed, have greed, are blinded by their own greed, would you intervene in ways that only you can? God, we want to be rich towards you. Would you help us with that? Would you help us to to have a reputation with others, but more importantly with you, of being a church that's generous and ready to share? And so, God, again today, we say, have your way in our lives. Sit on the throne. And where change is needed, change is from the inside out. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.